0: Good afternoon, and welcome to another episode here on KZSU 90.1 FM. My name is Jacob Neidig, one of your hosts of the Sports Zoo, along with the one and the only Zach Zaffron. Today, one week into baseball season, we'll be doing a deep dive into the nat- national landscape around college baseball, where Stanford slots into that, and what The Cardinal have on deck this year. We'll be joined at the half-hour mark with one of the voices of Stanford baseball. Some would say the undisputed voice of Stanford baseball, Donnie Raymond. But right now, leading us in, a longtime guest of the zoo, and someone many of you will recognize from doing the campus drive loop throughout this winter quarter, Daniel Vaughn. Excited to have
1: you! Uh, yeah, you know Jacob uh, introduced me as his co-host, but at this point, you know, I'm starting to wonder if we should just uh, mention that Daniel Vaughn really is a co-host here on the Sports Zoo. Not his first, not his second, but this is going to be his third rodeo on the zoo. Welcome back! How does it feel to be? You know, uh, I don't want to call play favorites here, but uh, a, a regular, a regular on the show. We, I mean, we have world class. Uh, guests on this show, uh, and you are the cream of the crop, my friend uh, and as Jacob mentioned, today we have an exciting uh, topic. The weather is turning, the rain is no more uh we're nearing. That time of year. Matter of fact, we've already reached that time of year in which baseball returns to the diamond. You yourself, I know, actually, matter of fact, through experience, are well familiar uh, with the Stanford baseball team. Uh, And by that, I mean shout out to our data science uh, project last quarter. Uh, Daniel, this Stanford baseball team, a different look than in the years past. Why don't we take a little bit of a look back on what this baseball program has been through these last few years?
2: yeah for sure and as you said you're exactly right this team is extremely difficult or extremely different from the team that we had last year I believe if I'm not mistaken eight or nine of our players maybe more have went to the draft last year so congratulations to all of those guys but that means that we have a lot of spaces to fill on the diamond this year uh, and we're already seeing that in the opening weekend
0: Absolutely, Daniel. And so, you know, kind of starting in chronological order, we've gone to three World Series appearances. We've had three World Series appearances. Last year, you know, Quinn, Matthews, the ace, ton of guys in the field. What was the recipe for Stanford last campaign to make it to Omaha?
2: I think last year is all about the offense. When you look at last year's lineup, pretty much anyone could hit a home run uh, from the top of the lineup to the bottom of the lineup. And when you have players like that, like Braden, Braden Montgomery, uh, like Carter Graham, big bats that you're going to miss all throughout the lineup, uh, it's going to be hard to replace those runs. Uh, I, I feel like we we hit this point
1: every every year, really, with baseball off a College World Series, roster gets changed up, we talk in the off season about, oh, I don't know if they're going to make it, start the season not too well with a 1-3 and three right now, that opening series against Cal State Fullerton we have every year for some reason, you know, we slip up and then lose some random non-conference game afterwards. Is this going to be more of the same where we find our pace, pick up our rhythm, uh, or is this honestly just kind of a, a, a step in the direction that we can expect for the rest of the year right now?
2: I think to answer your question, a little bit of both. I have great confidence in our coaching staff, uh, and one example that I'll bring up is Alberto Rios from last year. Before last year, I'm not too sure how many appearances he made through his freshman and sophomore campaigns in the baseball team. I know he moved around. I believe he came in recruited as a shortstop, but it's been has made appearances both behind the plate and in the outfield. In last year, he had an absolutely insane. St- uh, season, He ended up winning the Conference Player of the Year, I believe, uh, after really having a quiet first two years on the farm. And so I think it just goes to show you that the coach coaches we have here on the farm are going to be able to get the best out of the people that we, that we have currently, even if some of the big bats and the great talents have moved on to play professionally.
0: Yeah, Alberto Rios, great example. Before that junior year last year, he had competed for— the team USA U12 at the Pan American Championships and had seven appearances in games as a pinch hitter so not a lot of experience then comes in Pac-12 player of the year third round draft picked what, what kind of why is it though that it took him 2 years to to kind of make that jump is that because of him the coaching staff what's going on on the back end there
2: well i have no idea i think of course the baseball team has been pr- pretty successful uh over the past couple of seasons. Uh, as you mentioned, three straight trips to Omaha. So it's I'm sure he had a lot of talent playing ahead of him uh and talent that he could learn from as well while he was waiting his opportunity to shine. And he really did take his his opportunity. It was a super impressive season from him last year.
1: Uh, this year, um, you know like you said, a lot of talent both through the portal and through the draft. What's the biggest hole in this roster at this moment that you're most concerned about?
2: Hmm, That's a good question. I think this was also uh, an issue a bit last year, but the pitching depth, the bullpen, we have two good starters, uh, Matt Moore and Nick Dugan. I believe we can win behind both of them, and they played well in the opening series, in my opinion. But beyond that, as Jacob was mentioning before the show, uh, he has some insider information from one of his classes that may say that the third spot in the rotation for any given weekend is going to be somewhat of a free-for-all so there could be any number of people popping up there in that third spot so that I think remains to be a big wild card who's going to be the Sunday guy
1: Wow uh, you heard it here first on the zoo how about that uh, every week really I feel like we have breaking news Um I am curious uh we've had you on the show for soccer before we've had you on the show uh just just to talk sports in general uh I don't know if the guests know much about your background Daniel uh you know namely uh something we love to do here on the on the show is just talk about and reflect on the glory days when when was the last time you stepped out there on a baseball diamond
2: let's see that would have to be my senior year of high school the glory days for sure <laughs>
1: so uh okay so we have a credible we have a credible analyst in you okay so that check the box there
2: yeah well, I don't know about how credible for full disclosure for all of the viewers out there I did get pitch hit for uh, I was good on the defensive side but not so much on the offensive side just just so I have everything out there for the viewers
0: yeah and was that a uh is it a power issue a contact <laughs> issue were you swinging at off speed what was kind of the root of your struggles in the box
2: so there were many roots of my struggles in the box. Very, very little pitch discipline. You know, I like to swing at anything and everything that was remotely close to the strike <laughs> zone. And also on top of that, I grew up playing tennis. So mm. I tended to have a not very linear stroke. A lot of times I would have to hit, hit the topspin um, a lot of the time, and that's not successful. So,
0: But there are rumors that you're transitioning that swing onto the green now. Oh.
2: Picking up an iron instead of a racket or an aluminum bat. This is true. I'm back on the links for the first time since my early, early childhood. I'm lucky enough to be an advanced beginner golf this quarter on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Advanced can... beginner.
0: A, a sort of juxtaposition there, if you would.
2: Yeah, exactly. Where Couldn't do, you,
0: where do you fall more? In the advanced part of it or more of the beginner part of it?
2: Well, I must say more on the beginner side. I am still working out lots of kinks in my humble
0: swing. king a humble king folks daniel vaughn
2: i must say there is a great variety of skill levels within my class there's a couple of people who are quite good
1: I, i'm i'm getting the sense maybe your your short game isn't quite up to par no pun intended uh with your with your irons and your drivers but i bet you you can you can smack that thing down the driveway
2: yeah every once in a while uh you know for every every one shot that goes straight there's about five or six that Go extremely not straight so.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's the name of the game right there <laughs>
2: but, but, but Between between
0: Tennis, golf, and baseball And running the campus drive loop He'll be out there many a
2: days this week And cross country uh, What would you have the best odds of walking onto On the farm? Hmm Again, I don't like my odds at walking on to any sport here on the farm. Humble it, king. But
1: Again, but you're 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 swinging for everything. I think that you have big aspirations. I think you shouldn't limit yourself here.
2: You know, let me think. I would have to say that the two sports that I'm best at are tennis and basketball. Mm. And shout out Roy Yuan. He's giving hoopers like me hope. Lifting
0: at Fariaga yesterday, <laughs> two
2: twenty-five with ease. With ease. on the
0: on squat, not bench. <laughs> Hey, with ease though, with ease. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Uh you know, Zach, shifting the focus to you oh, have you ever suited up on the uh the old diamond? Um got a little little dirt on the spikes. Believe it or not, never.
1: Never. My uh my old my cousin, closest family member in age to me, looked up to him, played baseball all grown up. Ever I would go over there and play catch. Uh anytime I came home from their house, tell my mom, mom, I you know. Sign up for baseball. Want to want to join the team? Um, she'd always go. Of course, of course, of course. Uh, give it about a week or so time of Passover, and finally, I was old enough where it just never happened. I was it was too long gone. So I did ask her. You know why, why did that never happen? She told me. She looked me in the eye. She said, "Yeah, there was no way I was going to sit through that. <laughs> there was no way I was going to sit through your baseball games." Uh, granted, I do uh, have a bit of softball under my belt. Uh, last spring. Advanced intramurals, um, and you know I did not lose the last game that I played, uh, which means uh, you didn't make the playoffs. (laughs) You won the championship. We we won the championship. I have an intramural shirt, intramural champion shirt. I proudly wear at least three times a week to let the people know. Um, And because I never play baseball, never hit a home run until that championship game, my gosh, it feels good. It's
0: it's like a it's addictive today i can see it's like a a, a drain and <laughs> once you get in that drain you just spiral down down and away. we should i i think there should be a sports zoo and fan okay if you're listening again uh hit us up on our socials and dms for our fan meetup we're, we're gonna hit the batting cages why not absolutely that i mean that sounds like a lovely event we'll make, we could even make it a charity event have some pancakes and waffles Oof. Sign some autographs Get Street Meat out there Street Meat Big
1: shout out to, uh, you know, our late night provider, Street Meat Student run, student supported
0: uh, Good vibes all around Supporting local is what we do here on the Sports too. Okay, so, you know, kind of turning it back in If there was one sport that you wish you would have played at as a kid Daniel, what sport would that have been? I mean, could, would it have been just getting to hit for yourself? That's also an acceptable one. <laughs> yeah, that would have been nice, Coach Baker. I know. <laughs>
3: right,
2: why didn't you leave me in? Uh, actually, I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here. The guy who, who pinch hit for me, this was the second game of the playoffs my senior year. We're down by two runs. The bases are loaded. Uh, this is the last out of the game, and he strikes out looking. So, uh can't go down on the Tough backwards look. kick. Uh, I probably would have done the exact same thing. Probably would have swung, though, considering my pitch discipline. But, At least you would have tried. But I would have gone down swinging. Yep. You know, but to answer your question, I played a lot of tennis as a kid, and I really enjoy it still to this day. I think one of the reasons I ultimately stopped playing was because I enjoyed team sports better, like basketball, Um in I heard, baseball.
1: I heard it impacts your grades too, being on a team sport.
2: Yeah, that's. If if you read our Zach and I's lovely paper from our data science class this past fall, you would, could learn all about how college athletic participation might impact your academic performance.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> that sounds so intriguing. Zach, what sport would you like to play? Oh, football, hands down. I cannot believe I
1: never stood up on the gridiron. If you'd have a childhood, <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean,.
0: Were you a basketball kid? I was, of course, I was a basketball and
1: soccer. I, I mean, like you know, AYSO, not not past elementary school. Um, basketball, basically, once once I hit high school, is all I did. Um, but man, I was on the football team for uh, a couple weeks my senior year, and then COVID hits. Well, no, that's not true. COVID had already hit, and then I decided to join the football team because I'm like, all right, everything's in shambles. Probably not going to have a football season or basketball season, but football's outdoors. Uh, then they told me the game was going to be, or the season was going to be two games long for football. So I'm like, all right, I can have a two game long football season, which would have been sick. And I, I kind of do regret not doing it. But at the same time, this coincided with my senior project, like capstone to cap off high school. And I wanted to do something grand. So uh, I decided to bike down to LA from up here. Uh, but I had, like, not really ridden a road bike before, so I had to, like, ride a bike a couple weeks before doing that. And it was during football season. There was just no way I was going to come back from getting beat up to riding a bike. Uh, so I chose the latter, and
0: that was fun. It was cool, but uh, I do kind of wish. No, I mean, I feel like you made the the logical choice that every American dreams of, which is riding a bike instead of playing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I um That is cool though So you bike from here to Los Angeles Correct,
1: yes uh, Ended up in Santa Monica, Venice Beach um, And I have not ridden a bike more than like 20 miles since No need to If you do it, uh, cool, good for you I, I don't know what else you're doing with your time
0: can I said it better myself
1: <laughs> But why are you, The people want to know Jacob What about you We know you're well versed In baseball We've seen Or at least heard The triumphs Of your football days uh, Namely intramurals I don't know if that You know Is a different sport You're going to consider here I don't know too much About your basketball background What is that sport That you wish you played
0: Yeah I, I mean it has to be basketball I 7th uh, grade A team As a 7th grader Let's go 8th grade Also on the A-team. Two-year starter on the 7th and 8th grade A-team at St. Louis Catholic School in Austin, Texas. There we go. Uh, And, you know, I wanted to try out. Came to a new high school. Didn't do it freshman year. Basketball coach and I became good friends sophomore and junior year. He was pretty involved in in an academic program at the high school. Senior year, he was like, you got to come out. Oh, yeah you're not going to see the court one minute, but it would be fun to have you. And, and that kind of put me at a crossroads of, oh, oh that would be fun. Because yeah. I essentially would have been a high school walk-on. But eventually, uh, yeah, it, it kind of cut into baseball season. So mm-hmm. we were trying to gear up for a good run that never materialized. But I think it, it would be basketball. And, you know, my pickup, pickup would uh, definitely be a little bit better now. But I play a... I'm like a clay. I'm like a watch. Clay Thompson D and three type of guy.
1: There you go. There you go. Yeah, Daniel. I heard. I heard you talking about your your basketball. I don't. I can't quite visualize. You know what your game would be out there on the court.
2: Let's see. I in <laughs> high school I like to uh, sit in the corner and shoot a lot of threes. Okay. Um. I guess I could visualize that. Yeah. My high school. <laughs> my high school was a lot of guards. So we actually played like five out. Didn't have any set offensive plays. Um. In like pressed pretty much the whole game so we played like an extremely high tempo game so it was really fun to to participate in i remember a lot of our games like ending where both teams would score over 100 um, and so it's a it's a very fun style to play but of course when we had to play a couple of people who were a bit taller we kind of got beat up on because i think our tallest player was like 6'3 or 6'4 yeah no there uh is a lot of discussion around
0: that five wide offense right now because As I'm sure you're familiar, basically the best player in college basketball right now plays for Purdue. He's none other than Zach Eady, Mm -hmm. And no one can guard him in the paint at all. But he also can't guard anyone that's not big. So teams are... I saw some, some discourse happening of whether you should just forego a center and put another guard out there and just force him to try to guard someone that's you know 6-5 and can shoot instead of you know just getting beat on both ends of of the floor.
2: Yeah, that makes complete sense. He reminds me a lot about or reminds me a lot of Rudy Gobert. Uh I remember a couple of years ago when the Clippers were playing the uh the Jazz, this is when he was on the Jazz. The Clippers did exactly that I think Ty Lu put in all five guards uh and they shot wh- whoever was being guarded by Rudy was in the corner, stretching the floor at every single possession, and it really neutralized him on on defense. As you said, they couldn't guard him uh, on the offensive side because they lacked the size, but on the defensive side, he was just as big of a liability. Yeah, no,
0: absolutely. And you know, we've kind of gotten off topic here. It, we we love to relive our sports <laughs> days. We're here to talk about sports, but we're here to talk about ourselves too. But we're also now joined in studio by another voice that you've heard frequently on these airwaves traveling throughout Stanford's campus, throughout the Bay Area, throughout the United States, and beyond. Throughout the solar system, some would say. Some would say we have Donald Donnie Raymond, the new and upcoming voice of Stanford baseball live in studio Donnie, go ahead and tell all, 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 all our humble listeners out there where you're from, who your sports teams are, and how you've gotten involved with KZSU here at Stanford.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I just want to say thank you, everybody. Thank you, uh, Jacob, Zach, and DV for having me on the show. Daniel did not
0: thank us. I want to point that yeah. out. To, uh, he's he no- gratitude. He expressed gratitude. No, he- I did. I just think
2: you uh, didn't turn on my mic for the first <laughs> time. <laughs>
3: Oh man, I was in data science listening to the to the sports zoo and it made class so much more enjoyable. But when, when you send it to the little music break, oh, I could not stop laughing. <laughs> People were looking at me funny. I had the one AirPod in. Oh, it was fantastic. But, anyways, yeah, this is uh, this is fun, man. I've, I've never been on. I, I know you guys do it. I know. I remember you guys had uh, the prestigious Elwood Boone the Fourth on a couple of months ago. But, uh, but yeah, thanks for having me on. Uh, for those who don't know me or haven't heard me broadcasting Stanford baseball. I am one of the announcers for KZSU um, when we cover the Stanford baseball team. Um, I'm from Flower Mound, Texas, which is a suburb of Dallas. Uh, I'm a junior studying data science. You may have seen my uh, data science commitment post on Instagram recently.
0: Oh, yeah. Check it out.
3: <laughs> um, yeah. But anyways, uh, I'm super passionate about baseball and just kind of all sports, live sports watching, uh, trash talking from the stands. Um and I'm a major Texas Rangers fan You guys can't see me, but I'm in the studio I, I wanted to be a little provocative with my outfit today And I, I've tossed on the Texas Rangers World Series hat And the hoodie, so Full support for the Rangers But uh, but yeah, thanks for having me on uh, Absolutely, and, and I'm excited for the discourse to follow the, the excitement is
1: reciprocated I can tell you that much Both from everyone here in the room as well as the listeners out there Guys, we heard you We heard your request We made it happen
0: Absolutely, and, and Donnie, you know not just a menace in intramurals, but also in the club baseball level, correct me if i 'm wrong, but first team all American last
3: year on the club baseball circuit yeah, my freshman year uh I was a first team all american um it it was it was kind of jokes like the 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 level of competition in club baseball um is quite high it's is, very high it's really high it, it really challenged me to stretch my game to a new level that i'd never seen um and I think I slashed somewhere in the region of like a 1600 OPS um (laughs) I I had the highest OPS in the nation like like five or six home runs in whatever like our 20 game season because also our our home field at Woodside High School um is about 250 to all fields uh and it has like a little rickety like chain link fence (laughs) so I mean I was I was getting jammed and like fisting off balls to the right center gap that were like home runs it was fantastic it was a great time shout out Cameron Vaughn uh, in in G block and Will Ogden, if they're out there listening somewhere, but uh, but yeah, anyways, uh, I, I love baseball. Um, I heard you guys giving your little segment on which sport you would have loved to walk on. Uh, I was considering walking onto the baseball team, but in the end, I decided to take my talents to the to the club baseball squad, and uh, it was a really fun time. Donnie, I think you're
1: forgetting you've also uh, had quite the track record on the intramural side. I alluded to it earlier. Uh, Yeah, I I think I painted the wrong picture. I happened to have been on a softball team that Donnie Raymond was on, and I happened to have been on the team that Donnie Raymond
3: carried victory there. I mean, no, I, it's completely the other way around. It's always a pleasure when you're playing with guys who elevate your game and are pushing you to be better every day when you step on the diamond, and Zach Zaffron is, is one of the most talented, not only talented, but hardworking players I've ever had the pleasure of sharing the field with. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was somewhat of a murderer's row on the IM team. We had we had my boy Osama, we had Ohm, um, I mean, the lineup was just stacked from top to bottom, and especially in slow pitch softball, it's a, it's a little difficult to get out. But anyways, yeah, that was a lot of fun. I am champs.
0: There you go. Can confirm. two years ago, got mercy ruled by that same team on the diamond. I think I was the only person that had ever put on a baseball glove before <laughs> that, James. Um But kind of focusing now on to some people who put on gloves a little bit more frequently than we do. Stanford, we've talked about the three World Series appearances We've talked a little bit about the need to fill gaps. Donnie, on the offensive side of the ball, where does Stanford go this year in terms of putting runs up on the board?
3: Yeah, well, I mean, you guys touched on it earlier in the show. Uh, I think Daniel did, but, like, the whole squad got drafted. I mean, and it's it's something that almost hampers Stanford in the amount of success they've been having that— their whole team leaves at the same time because they because they're all too good like they went to the major league so it's going to be a lot of young faces this year for the Cardinal um, it, it's very exciting but at the same time it is very volatile um, a lot of unproven guys but I will say Owen Cobb at the top of the lineup like will always provide somewhat steady production um, up in the middle infield so so he's a great player and I, I think the Cardinal are really going to look to. Um, several sophomores and juniors, including Timo Becerra and Trevor Haskins, uh, and Jimmy Nadi. his uh, his walk-up song Down Under. It's been stuck in my head for like the past four or five days. Um, but I-, I think it's a really exciting time. Coach Esker and uh, the Stanford coaching staff always produce great hitters. They do a great job of developing hitters. Um, I think the bigger question mark for Stanford this year is how they're going to pitch with a stable of very, very young arms. Um, I think... There was some stat that like Nick Dugan and Matt Scott or Matt Scott, excuse me, they account for like seventy five percent of the returning innings from last year. So those guys who were both freshmen last year are going to be expected to to carry the freight this year, um, and and that's just difficult. It's it's hard to pitch in college baseball with the metal bats. Um, it was a little easier this last weekend with all the rain and cold, but um, I think that's probably going to be Stanford's stiffest challenge this year.
0: Absolutely. And so before we jump into pitching. Or outfield, want to kind of focus in on the infield. You mentioned it. Trevor Haskins, someone who was out last year, and then you have Timo Becerra and Owen Cobb, really kind of the most experienced part of our defense. But Owen Cobb and Timo both kind of playing newish newer positions on the defensive side. Does that give you any worry or how do you feel about Timo making
3: the move over to to third base? Oh, I don't think that gives you much worry at all. Like, we were discussing it on the broadcast during the game, but, like, basically you have three shortstops in Jimmy Nadei, like, on the infield. So it's a lot of very athletic guys across the infield. Um, Becerra has looked very smooth and, and calm at third. He's also wearing number 2, so he looks very similar <laughs> to over there. Um, sort of doppelgangery. But anyways, like... Yeah, he's looked good. I think the transition from short to third is much, much easier than the transition the other way around. Um, so an abundance of athleticism on the infield for the Cardinals certainly shouldn't hurt them, um, and I think that experience should help. But you're right, You know, as you were mentioning before, it is about the bats and the production at the plate.
0: And so where do those guys slot in? I mean, you mentioned Owen Cobb at the top. He's someone that has... You know, he was the nine-hole last year, had a great season. Timo and Trevor Haskins, are those the guys that are going to be looking to hit for power? Are those guys going to be looking to get on base? What can fans expect from from that trio in terms of in the box?
3: I have no idea. (laughs) I have no idea. Um, Every year, I feel like for Stanford, there's a guy like Alberto Rios who's like, you, you look back on the end of the year and it's like, what the heck, this guy had 22 home runs and you know he, he's not like an incredibly imposing figure like say carter graham it, You know, it's just alberto rios It's just, like what happened um so any of these guys i feel like have the capability and the power and the strength to to pop off and and deposit the ball over the fence but well it, it's kind of about the consistency and like keeping the power stroke consistent um i would like to mention a quick anecdote about malcolm moore uh i was talking to him earlier in the year which was fantastic it was the first time i ever met him super nice guy um and, and where was that at? It was I was at the the Stanford baseball batting cages. Um, this was kind of a longer story, but I met Alberto Rios golfing while I was golfing with Gene Kim. Um, <laughs> the Stanford lore is insane. <laughs> yeah, so so I was I was touching them all like it was the whole Mount Rushmore of Stanford. Um, but I met Alberto, super nice guy, and he invited me out to hit at the batting cages, and we hit with uh, Malcolm Moore and. Like Malcolm was hitting well. Like obviously he just demolishes the ball. He's, you know, a really really talented and hardworking player. Um, And he was like, yeah man. Like my central nervous system is a little bit fried today. And and I was like, oh what happened? Like what's going on? And he was like, well like this morning it it was like three in the afternoon we were hitting. He's like, this morning we were maxing deadlift and I hit like five seventy five. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like the 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 strength and conditioning programs I think across all sports here like are pretty intense <laughs> pretty ridiculous and i feel like that's where you see honestly the biggest skill gap and difference once you get to the college level like all players can play all players can put the bat on the ball um and hit the ball hard but when you get to that level where it's like silverback gorilla strength like that that's when you're starting to see guys with more consistent power but and, and that's something going back to your previous question like i think all guys on the stanford team have the ability and have the strength to do it um but we'll see if that consistency falls into place. So, anyways, I don't want to talk too much. DV over here is looking, uh, he's looking soul, and I'm sorry. I didn't mean to come in and steal his thunder. But... Yeah. Daniel, uh,
0: you know, takes his mic time variously over <laughs> there. Daniel, out of that trio, Owen Cobb, who's almost as old as you are, oh. Trevor Haskins, and
2: Timo Becerra, who are you most excited about this year? You know, I got to shout out our, uh, our group project because it was me, Zach, and Owen last quarter. The
0: the lore between the Stanford <laughs> baseball is insane. <laughs> in working this room. on the
2: data science project, so
1: oh, yeah. Owen Owen Cobb knows the value of a college education and or uh, college athletics and its
2: impact on education. Exactly, that's why he's back, getting his co term in MSNE, being a good student and being a great athlete. So I, I'm excited to see how he plays, bringing some experience uh, to the team, especially as you mentioned the. The arms are going to be super-duper young. There are already a couple, like three or four freshmen that got to pitch for the first time this past weekend. Um, I know Joey Volchko got to go. Um, Ryan Speciak got to go as well, and uh, Christian Lim. So I saw Christian pitch in a preseason scrimmage, uh, and he had some really, really good stuff. Same with Joey. So I think those two – I know this is not answering your question, but I'm very excited for those two – those two arms i think both of them have a lot of room to grow as well as i'm just now realizing how highly ranked uh, our transfer from duke is cassius thomas i didn't realize that he was the number 2 right-handed pitcher in his class um as a sophomore and so it'll be incredible to see what he can do as well
1: daniel uh as previously alluded to uh, yeah you know you've been on the farm for quite a while um with that you tend to be familiar with gotcha. a lot of players but looking
0: at this. You're aging roster, him on air. <laughs> there's there's not looking, looking... for work. <laughs> No spring chicken. <laughs> yeah. uh, there's not a lot
1: of age or experience on this squad outside of Owen. Uh, you know, Tommy O'Rourke, we've seen him in the past, but uh, even even a guy like Jaden Bruno hasn't really seen the field in these last few years. It is a—really at all, actually. But it is a young squad. Uh, everyone went for the draft, few people. Um, sad tears when I think of uh, Braden and what he's doing at A&M. But uh, a young squad— um, are you more excited for the long term prospects or are you, as a Stanford baseball fan, dare I say, analyst, uh, more focused really on what this
2: year has to offer? I think this current team reminds me a lot of the team that we had when Jacob and I were don't fresh. put me in a category. with <laughs> you. We're the same age. man. We're the same age. I'm still young, though. I'm going to be around here next year, too. Yeah, so if you can think way back then to the dark ages <laughs> when you were freshman, there, there was no internet or KZSU. Then <laughs> there were tons of, tons of freshmen starting. I think Owen got a considerable amount of playing time that year, along with some other he- names like Adam Crampton. He was the shortstop, and I remember he had a lot of struggles that freshman year. But then uh, his junior year, he was an incredible player. He grew so much over, over his time here on the farm, and so I think you do have to look a little bit for the longer term with this group of guys do i think we can still perform and definitely compete for the pac-12 for sure there are some other teams that are going to be quite solid uh, namely oregon state but i do think that next year and even the year after we're going to be a force to be reckoned with
0: yeah um donnie back to you now specific player court mcdonald number 22 pantago christian academy in arlington did you ever see this kid in your high school days of baseball did you ever play against pantago christian nope no so first time seeing him probably this weekend then is that fair to say yeah. what stood out to you about the 6'1 197 pound outfielder
3: well what stood out to me principally about court was his walk-up song um <laughs> You know, it, it's always nice to hear a little smooth country music at the ballpark, like on a nice sunny afternoon. Well, I guess it was kind of windy and rainy. But um, All My Exes Live in Texas, very, very funny song choice from Court McDonald. Um, you know, some guys try to go for like a little, you know, more hype walk-up song, like with some rap or something like that, um, or some rock music. But Court, like very, pay, paying homage to his uh, his Texas roots, I, I really appreciated that. But um, you do not see Stanford commits from the texas area generally and when you do it's like oh brother like this guy is going to be pretty legit and and the thing about court when he was coming up and i think i was sort of keeping tabs on him on twitter like when i saw that there was a stanford commit from around the area like he's just unbelievably fast and athletic um and i think that is going to play a big part in his role in the team this year as like kind of a defensive outfielder defensive center fielder left fielder sort of being platooned uh with ethan hot um But, I mean, we saw on Monday that Coach Esker even had the um, confidence to start McDonald against a left-handed starting pitcher. So, um, he's good, and and he had a nice home run in the opening series. I think he's going to be a really solid player for Stanford and someone who could have a big breakout season.
0: Yeah, just quick knowledge. Court, left-handed batter, so against a left-handed pitcher, some coaches will opt to pull that in favor of a righty just giving you some breakdown knowledge there.
1: <laughs> yeah, You want to talk about someone committing from a specific area. We have not covered the sports zoo yet. Rintaro Sasaki committing. He's the top ranked high school baseball player in Japan. Uh, I don't even know if you need to watch film to know that this guy can hit the ball. Um, you know, DV, I was curious your thoughts on this signing as well as what it means for what the fan base for Stanford baseball might look like and how that might change in these next few years.
2: Yeah, I think it's crazy that he's foregoing an option to play professionally to come play at Stanford. I think that's pretty crazy. And shout out to whoever convinced him to come here to the farm because we're going to definitely appreciate him and need need his bat here in the, in the near future. I think, you know, just like, obviously, co- uh, comparison to Shohei and how he's like this almost godlike figure in Japan. It would be good to see if you can get the brand name of Stanford Baseball International with this guy because he obviously has the talent, one of the biggest bats coming out of the country ever um, for his age. And so it'll be fun to see. Again, very, very exciting.
0: Yeah, I mean, his story is also insane. Shohai was coached by his dad, and he was coached by his dad, going to be the number one pick in the Nippon Professional Baseball League. And the, what I saw was that he decided to come to the U.S. in order to uh, increase the money that he can get for being drafted he can now enter the mlb draft instead of having to go through the the international version and so it kind of changes the the salary structure and contract that he would have once he like gets drafted in all likelihood he and shohei crafty
1: with these contracts i mean shohei with the you know delegating money down the road now you got this Okay, okay. Uh Donnie, you called games last Friday and this Monday. Um I'm curious, especially with the weather. I know it was kind of a stormy outing against UNLV on Monday. What was the turnout like? Historically, this has been one of the best attended Stanford sporting events. Um you have the departures, you have the weather, you have a young roster. What was it like out
3: there at Sunken Diamond? Oh, it's awesome! I, I think I think the fans totally make the experience for all of sports. Um, and even though you know the games weren't really going the Cardinals' way um, in the first couple of matches, um, there, there were still a lot of a lot of people out to support. In um, the Monday game, it got pretty slim once it started raining sideways. Like that was <laughs> that was definitely a more miserable part of the afternoon. Um, but still, plenty of people were sticking around, like with the the ponchos and the raincoats and everything so it was fun and you know obviously a lot of players families there, excited to see them make their debuts a lot of freshmen making debuts um but plenty of scouts there as well i also didn't i I didn't even think about that a lot of scouts um head scouts from the mariners all other kinds of places coming in to see you know the new talent on the farm because this recruiting class is is quite talented though unproven um but but yeah like great great turnout fun atmosphere it's always fun to watch games at uh the sunken diamond
1: Gotcha. And so now we find ourselves at this 1-3 juncture. Uh, you know, we talked about this earlier on the show prior to your arrival. Where do you go from here? Um, obviously, it's a long season. It's a little too early to make some sort of adjustments. Again, we've seen these types of slip-ups early on, which translate later into College World Series. Uh, what is your focus coming into this series against Penn State before uh, hitting the road actually quite a while after that matchup with San Jose State?
3: Yeah, I, I mean, I think the focus probably has to be pitching and defense. I mean, after the first game that uh, that the Cardinal played, I, I mean, I, I don't really remember this. I think it was four nothing, Cal State Fullerton. Um, that one was pretty nerve wracking because the offense didn't get much going, and it was like, you know, th- this could be this could be a long season. You know, if, yeah. if the bats don't get going, you always want to score the first run of the year. Um, but I, I will say Stanford bounced back in in quite a, a nice manner in the next couple of games. I think some of the veteran presences at the the top of the lineup kind of help facilitate that. Um, but I, I think the pitching has to be a little bit better. Um, we have a lot of untested guys in the rotation, or very freshly tested, um, and so it, it's going to take innings from everybody. Like nobody nobody is safe, for lack of a better way of putting it. Everybody is going to get in. Everybody's going to pitch. Um, it's going to be a very uh, like team type effort this year from the card. So, um, I I think against Penn State, we, the the focus has got to be getting innings out of the guys who are stretched out and and can pitch deep into games. Um, getting good relief outings and and trying to keep the ball uh not only in the ballpark but uh, I I mean just just keeping the other team off of the off of the scoreboard. It, it was a tough one against UNLV because they had like no homer. Run- they had like sixteen singles or something like that. It was unbelievable. So. You, that, that's kind of a tough one as a pitching coach and a coaching staff because, you know, they're hitting the ball hard, sort of, but like on the ground, through the gaps, like little rollers. Uh, it's just tough. I mean, so far, I will say that has been a promising feature of the, the Stanford pitching staff is they haven't given up a ton of the long ball mm-hmm. at this point in the year. So that's something I'm sure they're looking to continue, and the strikeout numbers are good, so they're looking to build off that. But definitely the pitching and the confidence and getting some of the freshmen started.
0: Absolutely. And so Daniel you know you've we've touched on some names cassius thomas joey volcheco even nick dugan and matt scott who were you surprised to see getting some action out of the freshmen or any of the upperclassmen and who do you who are you most excited to see where where they can kind of go this year
2: yeah i think one person that we got to see this past saturday christian Lim. he pitched incredibly in that preseason scrimmage that i watched uh forget who we played but he and joey both went multiple innings uh in that particular scrimmage and he i remember he was throwing lots of christian excuse me was throwing lots of off speed so i think he has several pitches in his arsenal uh of course it's always nice if you can throw a fastball really really hard but at the same time it's also nice if you have a lot of off speed stuff Um, and i think he can combo well off of someone who throws a bit harder like matt uh and i think joey as well throws Uh, very, very hard, like mid to upper 90s, um, this fastball, if I'm not mistaken. And so I think he can combo well off of some of the other arms that we have, uh, as well as he has a nice green glove that he wears, at least the one that he wore on Saturday, and I really like that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Rumors have it that the nickname the Green Goblin is starting (laughs) for Christian Lim. Former Tennessee Pitcher of the Year, attended Montgomery Bell Academy. Shout out to Matt Kaplan that know about that. Donnie, same question, over to you. Which arm are you looking at this year to to kind of maybe surprise people or just take that next jump?
3: Yeah, um, I, I think, well, first of all, this, this is something that sort of surprised me going into the year, but Matt Scott received a lot of preseason accolades, and I wasn't really expecting that. But um, there have been reports over the offseason that his fastball velocity was way up, like touching the upper 90s, you know, 95 to 98. Um, and and I, I will say that, like, over the opening weekend, his stuff was very impressive, um, I think he went five and a third innings with, like, nine strikeouts against a good, pesky Cal State Florida team. It seems like a lot of college teams, are, by the way, on a little side tangent, they load their lineups with these small players. Like, a lot of guys who are in the range of, like, 5'8 to 5'11 and, like, kind of... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Those are normally sized <laughs> people right there. Well, like, Jose Altuve is an extreme example. And he's, like, what, 5'6, five, 5'7? Five, I mean, yeah. like the guys who are very compact in their in their strike zones and their approaches and and Scott did a great job of working through the lineup so he obviously is going to need to like we the, coach Esker and uh, coach Eager in the staff they they need him to um take a very prominent role at the head of the rotation um, and then I would like to give a quick shout out to um my good acquaintance Gavin uh Nelu who recorded his first collegiate inning oh, this past go. Monday against UNLV as a junior there we go um you know i i can't even really i mean i can sort of imagine like the the amount of commitment and time and preparation that goes into the season and and these guys' craft and and it can be it can be really difficult i think to to go through that and see the field and not see the field it's just tough man it's it's incredibly difficult being a division 1 athlete and especially at a school like this where the academics are really difficult so anyways quick shout out to gavin congratulations um and then finally like the arm that i'm excited to see is probably i mean i would say nick dugan um i think he's kind of quietly flown under the radar uh he's he's a little less explosive than than matt scott with the stuff but he has a great change-up great off-speed pitches and when his control is on he's a really great pitcher so i think if nick dugan can have a nice year then stanford will be poised to make a run at the pac 12 and potentially enter a regional
0: yeah and perfect segue quick note on Matt Scott was sitting with the scouts on that Friday game and they had him 9596 for all the way up until about the 3rd or 4th inning whenever I had class but he was <laughs> uh, he was he was firing it in there and we both love to wear the pandas so love my boy Matt Scott okay. from section but looking more broadly Stanford predicted in the coaches poll to finish 2nd in the Pac 12 I believe Oregon State was the team that was predicted to win it all. Beavers have historically been one of the best programs on the West Coast. Is second an under-expectation, over-expectation, or kind of right on pace for what you expect for this team? Um,
3: I mean, I it, it's difficult to say. I think this is the part about Stanford that is going to be very interesting to see play out this year is that um, the card are very young. So this could be a season that may end up being, you know, a, a rougher year for Coach Esker and the team, like a very, you know, build building type year, a learning year for a lot of these young guys. This could also be a year where they get production from some guys who, you know, are, are top recruits out of high school and who are really poised to, like, kind of break out in their sophomore and junior seasons. And, you know, they make a very serious run at the Pac-12 um, and could potentially knock off Oregon State. So, it's hard to say. I, I I wouldn't really want to speculate, but um, I guess that's what our job is on this show to do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's it's pretty unclear. I, I would say um, I would probably expect an upper table finish for Stanford in the Pac-12. Um, but it, I mean, it, it could be anywhere from like one, you know, like first to sixth. It, it it really is hard to say.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. I've just pulled up the rankings right now and you have Oregon State at number 7 and UCLA at number 20. Both those teams are sitting at 3 and 0 so far. So yeah, it's extremely early in the season, so hard to tell based on the very small sample size we have so far, but it seems that there will be at least a handful of solid teams in the Pac-12, so it should be It should be highly competitive, and I do think that Stanford will be in there right around the top.
1: I mean, on that note, only two Pac 12 teams. Um, Obviously, like it's the sports zoo. We're going to talk about conference realignment in a few minutes here. Um, But uh, for the first time in, I think, my time here on the farm. Uh, Stanford fell out of the top 25 th- after this opening series. Uh, what does that signal to you? You know, we, we, we look at the rankings pretty closely, specifically for women's basketball a lot on this show. They opened the year at number 15 after a string of promising s- seasons and then obviously lost quite a bit of talent to transfer portal and roster. And then they've come out with a vengeance, um, you know, making a push for another Final Four appearance here this season. Is this the type of thing that will trigger a Fierce response by the Stanford baseball team Or will more so just be A sign of things to come
3: mm, I mean that, that's kind of a, An interesting question because Obviously the goal of the players in the game is to win uh, You know every, any given day you, you have to kind of have tunnel vision as a player And you just focus on the task at hand So I, I'm sure the guys will be going in And, and they will be fueled by the out of the rankings And they'll want to prove themselves as the great players That they are Um but that being said, you know they did drop out of the rankings for a reason. You know, going one and three on the opening weekend is not great. That's not a sign of probably an incredibly successful season to come. I will say that I don't know if this rings rings true for other sports, but in baseball especially, there is a heavy gravitation of talent towards mid majors, and it, the the talent scene is becoming much more level across schools. So you know, like we saw, Indiana State host a regional last year. Um, Campbell was really good last year yeah it, exactly it, it, it's it's starting to be like those little schools you know Eastern Carolina Campbell um, a, a lot of talent you, people just need places to play a lot of people like to play baseball a, a lot of the, you know with the new training techniques drive line, weighted balls whatever guys are throwing harder these days um, guys are getting stronger faster whatever it, it's just hard to win uh, in collegiate baseball at any level um, and so I would say that you know, it's kind of an indication of the leveling of the playing field across uh, Division One. Um, but I, I'm sure it's something the players will take as motivation and and look to work through. So, more direct
0: question to you now, Daniel, putting you on the spot: If Stanford struggles this year, obviously there's a lot of roster turnover. How much of that falls on the coaching staff? Ooh.
2: That's a that's a really good question. I think with how young the team is at the end of the day they will need time to develop no matter how highly recruited they were out of high school uh like you're mentioning with the metal bats and playing against individuals who are potentially several years older than them as a true freshman uh, it can be tough the odds are stacked against you and so i would say that if in a couple years say all this talent that we've recruited if we let it go through the transfer portal or for any other reason or if they these talented freshman arms that we've been mentioning do stay, but they don't develop into the strong pitchers that we know they can be, then that most definitely falls on the coaching staff. But if you're just looking at this year in and of itself, uh, I can't say that there's too, too much blame to be put on the coaching staff, given how young of a group we are. Well,
1: you know, however the season goes, things are only going to get tougher when Stanford heads across the country to the ACC next year, a topic we've all been waiting for—I know that. Uh, what's to come of this? Because I know obviously football is what drives the TV revenue. Football is what drives the conversation with these changes. Uh, baseball has been top of mind for me, though, when I think of who's going to be impacted by this. I mean, you're talking about sixty-plus game seasons, and Stanford's going to be out traveling to, you know, North Carolina, New York god knows where just to play that many games what do you imagine that's got to look like i know the kinks are being worked out on the administrative level but preliminary thoughts really on how this is going to impact the program how it's going to impact recruiting how it's going
3: to impact performance hmm, yeah well i mean it, it's kind of tricky to consider just the transportation for the games is going to be much more expensive yeah you, you, it's i mean you can't bus all the way to Whatever Chapel Hill, North Carolina. That, that's <laughs> that would really, be a disgusting bus oh, ride. Well, I mean, you could, but that, that's. I mean, that's brutal. That, that's not super feasible. I guess the players could get a lot of homework done on the bus, but, um, but anyways, like that's going to be something that's interesting. Um, I, I know that like Stanford really needed a home heading into the next year, and so the ACC was kind of it was just all we could get um, in a sense. Like we, we just needed to get somewhere, um, but the the cost of travel for these, like, sports seasons where Stanford's going to be playing 40 games in the year, 20 of them around 20 will be away, like, that's going to be expensive. Um, As far as recruiting prestige goes, I'm looking at the, the NCAA like, top 25 right now, and there are a good, you know, five, six teams from the ACC in there, including notably Wake Forest at number one, so as far as the competition goes, I think it might even be heightened going into next year. Um, it's it's going to be very tough for Stanford in the ACC, especially with the travel and you know the, the different kind of weather that will be on the East Coast early in the year. Um, I, I think that could be kind of tricky, but I think it also maybe could aid in the recruiting. You, know, you get to play in the ACC, but you get to enjoy the beautiful Palo Alto weather. So who knows? I'm, I'm excited to see how it shakes out, and I'm, I'm just hoping there are no super long bus rides. <laughs> <laughs>
1: DV... Uh, when you hear Stanford, Cal, SMU to the ACC, what does that mean for baseball in your eyes?
2: Well, let's see. I think baseball is, as we just mentioned, going to get hit the hardest because, again, you have to play so many games and you have to be gone from, well, the games are usually Friday, Saturday, Sunday, which means that the team would get there on Thursday and leave Sunday Sunday night late monday morning early depending on what time their game gets finished with on sunday afternoon so they're gone potentially five six days at a time multiple times throughout the basically starting in the middle of winter quarter all the way through the end of the school year right because if we as we've known from the years past they have to take finals like i think right before the regionals start up and after the conference tournament play ends and so they're going to be going through it i think even more so than some of the other student athletes here on campus definitely definitely where where do you see them
1: fitting in uh even if this is an off year let's say everything regresses to the mean donnie mentioned wake forest time and time again really up there um i know virginia in the year in the past has also been pretty good acc just really known uh to be a great baseball conference stanford obviously a great baseball program uh but do we sit atop the rankings? Do we find ourselves in the mix of you know between three, four? What do you see for the next few years to come?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be extremely competitive, and I by no means think that Stanford, even if we are able to regress to the means, will be the clear-cut favorite in the new restructured ACC. I think you know names like Wake Forest and Virginia and North Carolina are always usually pretty good, and we'll be able to compete at the same level. But with that being said. We've also proven ourselves with three straight trips to Omaha, so there's no reason why we can't be fighting for the ACC title just as we've been fighting for the Pac-12 title in recent years. Amen.
1: <laughs> Donnie, what you know, What are your thoughts? Uh, also, uh, side note, are you excited? For you, as a, you as an announcer, it's a good chance that you're heading out there.
3: Uh, we think of what does this mean for the players. What does this mean for the media, namely student media? Well, it means that we're probably only going to fly out one announcer because, uh, it might be a little costly unless we're flying with the team, um, but I, I mean it, it's, it'll be fun. Like it'll be a, an opportunity to explore new areas of uh, the United States that broadcasters have previously not ventured into. Um, but but yeah, it'll be exciting. I, I think something that'll really impact Stanford success next next year is the uh, the Japanese swamp monster himself, uh, Rintaro Sasaki. <laughs> so I think. His talents and um, the recruiting class that Coach Esker is able to bring in alongside him because I bet a lot of guys are going to want to train with him, you know, ha- have the ability to play alongside him. I, I think that could lead to uh, a sharp uptick in the Stanford program for next year in the ACC. So it-, it could be a year where, you know, they're they're up at the top of the ACC challenging the big dogs again.
2: Watch out, Chapel Hill. Donnie's coming to town.
3: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, and I mean, talent in the ACC is insane the pitching is something i think i'm really worried about chase burns in his debut six innings 10 strikeouts no runs dude is electric yeah. after they had louder last year yeah and louder was so good last yeah year. It, the pitching is going to be uh something a little bit more uh has a little bit more firepower than what we've seen in the years past well you know our we've talked
1: about one of our favorite things to do on this show uh reliving the glory days Uh, perhaps the only thing we like to do more on the sports zoo is make predictions uh with just under a minute and a half here to go on your four to five window on the sports zoo uh let's talk this 2024 season stanford baseball we've talked about how it might be a bit of a down year uh a lot of promising talent though starting with you daniel what happens at the end of this 2024 season how does it end for the cardinal
2: I think we can make the regionals. I feel like that's a realistic goal, um, and I'd be happy if we were able to make the
3: regional rounds. Um, Donnie, yeah, I, I agree. I'm right there with you. I, I feel like this team, all they need is a chance in the postseason. Um, anything can happen. You know, you see it once you get to the College World Series. It's a complete pandemonium. So, you know, just just in a regional with a chance to fight for a spot. I, I actually have a little bit more hope. I think we <laughs> escape a regional, don't host
0: a super, go in. Don't know how a super I don't think we make it out of that round but I think this team will come together and, and be able to get out of a regional this year. Wow.
1: Uh I'd like to be optimistic. Uh I admit, don't know don't know as much as these experts and analysts that we've brought in so <laughs> I don't want to sound like a broken record but uh, I think the regionals are something to be proud of uh and certainly something uh that would mark a good
0: season and hopefully a step forward for these next few years to come. Absolutely. So you've been listening to KZSU 90.1 FM, The Sports Zoo here. My name is Jacob Nidig, joined
2: by Zach Zaffron, my co-host, and our two guest stars, Donnie Raymond and Daniel Vaughn.